I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast. Rochester? Well, why Rochester? Chris Lindstrom was a hoot. He was just so much fun. He never stopped talking. I mean, it was great. Party down? Yes! Take it from me, an inveterate snob. (laughs) That's it! Stinks! It stinks! It stinks! We don't need any characters around to give the joint atmosphere. Because I'm a pro. That's what pros do. I'm a professional. Look it up in the book. What'd he say? Enough. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. And we are back with another episode of the Food About Town podcast with a regular guest, sporadic but regular guest to the podcast, and one of my favorite uh, bar people around the bar industry in town, Guest, introduce yourself, please. My name is Donnie Clutterbuck, and I'm a regular guest here if you zoom out. <laughs> well, is, I, I is think this my third or fourth time? Third but it's or fourth Third or fourth time? in like eight years. Yeah. Well, I think if, if we zoom out on anything, everything's regular. <laughs> I suppose so, unless it only happens once. Just, so. comp- just compress <laughs> yeah. it all down and yeah. everything's regular. This really, it feels like it happens every three years or something. Like We just we realize that it's been a bit too long, and then we end up doing it. Yeah, know? absolutely. Well, I think that's part of the thing is like both of us end up doing so many different things and you know especially with the you know with pandemic and everything else like you know you're working you're working every day in the bar for a long time after after things opened back up Dude, and, i forgot that happened yeah yeah and i was traveling for so long and then man i barely saw you for what two three years almost yeah, yeah the usual cycles of you know like cocoon and molt or whatever <laughs> whatever yeah. things do when they when they're reborn and they like go through transitional phases there's been quite a bunch of that so I think every time I have enough time to slow down or every time you have enough time to slow down and think to text me, <laughs> this is how it happens. Yeah, so. exactly. Well, it and this, so today we have an excuse to talk because it's coming up on Rochester cocktail revival season, yep. RCRX, 10 years. It takes pressure. This is, so I stopped bartending recently. I, I am no longer like a full-time bartender. I don't bartend at all. So no, wait, I, I cover oh, shifts, but. Okay. So yeah, because for a while you were leaning out, right? And then. Now you're to the point where you're actively not behind. Yeah, and it's um, there are benefits and drawbacks. The benefits are that I'm old and I can't have ten conversations at the same time anymore. I think I, my my physiology has just changed to the point where I'm not capable of that. Like being being old. Like I think we're yeah. we're about the same age. I'm 39 now. 38. I'll be, yeah, I'll be 39 next month. Like it's things are different. Like it, you have yeah. to reprioritize. You have to do all everything. That's like. Oh yeah, life has gone by. Right. Yeah, because <laughs> there's two pieces to that. The first is the uh, when what, I think Harvard did a study, or you know, one of those Ivy League studies, where they showed people a picture of themselves in the future with that face app thing. You remember where you could oh, take yeah, a picture yeah, yeah. and you'd be seventy, right? So they showed people a picture of themselves, of themselves old of a stranger and of a stranger old, like yeah. accelerated old. Is the mic not close enough? Yeah, just, just a hair. Yeah, yeah go so ahead and adjust just a little bit. Closer. Oh, I don't, look I don't at that. It's, it's, it's warm now? Oh, We're yeah, good? that's right, nice. Cool. Yeah, I didn't want to get ri- too close. That's rich and lustrous. <laughs> right. Yeah, I get that baritone on, uh, <laughs> on, on tape. Oh, right, my God. Go. I'm Donnie Clutterbuck. Welcome yeah. to Ooh, the that's nice. Midnight Fishing Hour. Oh yes, yeah. now we're feeling now we're feeling NPR. I was on um on the jazz station with Derek Lucas a couple of years oh, ago. Oh wow! And he, he kept calling it night fishing because it was like the midnight show. Oh, that's so where good. they ask for donations. And the way he went about it, man, he was like, "Welcome to the midnight hour." 
here. Oh, oh yeah. No, no. You start to. So yeah. this, this is, we were talking about boards before. So it has a noise gate. So if there's like stuff in the little. background, it won't catch it. So it won't catch like a fan in another Oh, got room, it. Cool. All right. Which kind of oh. fun. Yeah. So I'll get used to this. So I, I guess my point is that I quit bartending and it's because I am. When I was younger, it was a lot easier to have 10 conversations at the same time. Or maybe I wanted to. Maybe that's like the thing that changed. I don't know if it's physiological or uh, just desire based at this point. Yeah. But I don't want to do that. And I don't see the value for me in having 10 conversations at the same time. So I think that it is better that the people who want to do that, do that instead of me hanging on for dear life and just trying to stay relevant in some way that I was rather than trying to become relevant in some way I have not yet been. So that's, that's the big deal. And I guess the other side of that is that the pressure it takes of RCR coming up and us needing oh, yeah. to do this before that, I'm starting to realize that now that I don't have a strict schedule, I'm my own worst enemy. And I need, I <laughs> you need would to be both man. Well, I have to like make a schedule and email it to myself from a different account or something so that I feel accountable to some other party. Right. Because I've never not been accountable to some other party today. Right. I'm accountable you have to weekly be there. and monthly and sometimes to some meetings, but not in the same way where like you go into the bar at 2 PM and you leave at 1 AM four days. Right. That structure is easy to work around for me. And I'm, I'm still in the midst of, I mean, it's only been like two or three weeks. I'm still in the midst of figuring out how to operate that way. It's, it's very interesting. Cause it's when like uh, a lot of people are very anti going to the office when it comes to things for me, like I, I do like, I personally like the structure of like, I don't have an hour commute. Like we're not in DC where it takes an hour and a half to get somewhere. Yeah. Like my commute to work is 10 minutes. So like the separation of me being at work for me is really nice. It's very important. It's important to, I've noticed if you read your phone in bed, like you will go to sleep later. And when you wake oh, up, yeah. you will wake up and not go back to sleep because you're now the other bed is where you read your phone. Mm -hmm. So that's where alarms and alerts come in and segregating that out of that space. Oh shit. I was, I mean, shoot, darn it. <laughs> I'll, I promise I'll do that from now. I'm no, not we're, used we're to good. this anymore. We're good. Um, <laughs> I was talking about face app where the, the study, I don't even remember yeah. why I was saying it, but I, I should finish that thought. So whoever's listening to this doesn't go, <laughs> why did he bring is, that up? This is how all of these episodes it. go. So by the way, good. this is a episode about the Rochester cocktail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a show about nothing until it's about something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything is Seinfeld, just like life. So, face app. Some Ivy League school showed people a picture of themselves and a picture of a stranger, and then a picture of themselves older and a picture of the stranger older. And looking at a picture of themselves, they got some sort of a serotonin or dopamine. I forget what the chemical was, but like some sort of physiological response from looking at it. Yeah. And they got no response from looking at any of the others. Yeah. So it wasn't that. The stranger was a stranger and that's bad. And it was not, it was rather, it wasn't, they wanted to make sure that it wasn't just that you were older and you don't personally relate to old people. Oh, sure. So they, they, they made that control, but it turns out that you see your future self as a stranger. So that's something you don't plan for. So as we age, you and I, yeah. uh, when I was 18, I thought I'd be dead by 38. Right. So I was like, why would I save money? For a person who's never existed, going to exist that I don't know. Yeah. And then I got to be 38 and I went, huh. Maybe I will live past 40 and I should probably start treating my life like I care because maybe, like I'm still going to be here. I right. still am. You maybe, know? maybe it turns out that the 18 year old version of you didn't know as much as he thought he did. Yeah. What, what do they call that? Dunning-Kruger effect? Oh yeah, yeah. Right. You learn a little, you think you know everything. You step into a house, you've discovered the house, but then you step into a few rooms and you're like, how many more rooms are there? That's crazy. I, I must not know where all this stuff is. Well, and I think that's the, the, the crux of everything right now is, and uh, you know, personally, like I'm, I'm trying to figure it all out. Like I'm, and it's, 
there's so much good stuff going on right now. Yeah. I have so many positive things going on from, you know, uh, both Carrie and I are doing well at our, our jobs. I have uh, nominate going on of the, the podcast is growing. The Lunchador podcast network is, you know, starting to come together and I've got curling and I've got all this other stuff. I'm consulting on a brewery just because, you know, needed to add another thing on. Yeah. Everything's so good, but how do you figure out how to live within the world and be happy and do that stuff? Balance. Man, it's a balance is a constant struggle that I'm failing at every day. Routine has been something that's helped me a lot. Wake up, do the same thing every day, go to the gym at the same time on the same days. Make sure that you hold yourself accountable to other people. Like I host Twitter spaces and I make sure that other people are either there hosting it with me or I'm accountable to some employer for it because otherwise I may not show up, you know? And I, it's not like I don't want to, it's just, I'll look at it and be like, well, I don't have to be there at seven unless someone else is there Then I have to. So I have to make sure that I hold that, um, Joint accountability, I guess. And that goes for everything in life. You know, I think this is why people couple up in a lot of ways. Like what, if you don't have a partner, who's going to call you out on your BS? Oh yeah. And I've, I have lots of it. <laughs> yeah. I have so much. And, but, but you know that. Yeah. That's good. But I think we, you know that more about yourself now than you would because you're like, oh yeah, I can, yeah, everybody has it. But no, no, you have yeah. to own that stuff and yep. move forward and be a positive, uh, positive uh, influence on Others like now that's the mentality. How do we how do we get better together? How do we all do better? People are nothing without people. Persons are nothing without other persons. I'll put it that way. I know that the word people is actually not plural for person, but for the sake of speaking the way the human beings, yeah, right. I mean that's basically what it means now. People means many persons or yeah. whatever. Um, the world is if you were just here alone, it would be boring. That's, yeah. that's not fun. And if you tell a joke and no one's there to hear it, I mean, you can get, giggle at yourself a little bit, but you're going to get a way bigger giggle if you get a bunch of people giggling. Yeah. Now, now no. I'm just, now I'm just laughing. People are the point. I'm just laughing, <laughs> thinking about you in a room giggling at something you thought. Like, I get a real <laughs> kick out of myself. <laughs> and I do that a lot. Actually. I talk to myself all day. I talk to myself and tell myself jokes in the car and I'll get out of the car at Wegman still talking to myself. Yeah. And someone will be walking by. Oh and yeah. That's, that's when I'm like snapped back to reality and realize that I talk to myself all day. See, I zone out and go into podcast mode because I listen to so many different shows because I never, I can't turn it off to keep on learning or listening to stuff. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I need to know the next thing, need to go to the next thing. <sighs> so, yeah. uh, Rochester Cocktail Revival. <laughs> yeah, so my role in that this year is to help organize seminars and I'm running some pairing dinners at Cure. So awesome. I'll be serving, I'll basically be bartending those days, but it's not conventional bartending. You know, it's, it's um, Thursday through Saturday, June 8th through 10th. Okay. Uh, there are three dinners with two seatings that I'll be like, I'm, I'm working on the pairings for, I'm putting everything together. Andy's doing the food. Clearly it's chef here. Um, so I'll be running those, but outside of that, I'm not a bartender and I'm helping the other bartenders at the other restaurants by making drink specs and organizing all the booze for the restaurant, which is sort of what I do for Lucky's good luck and Jackrabbit. I'm, I'm quote unquote, the beverage director, which is not only like an incomplete turn term, but it's also a misrepresentation in a way it's just, it, what else am I going to be called? Caretaker is my favorite word right. because it's, the point of it is that I'm filling in the gaps. If someone else wants to do the beer order, they should. And if they don't want to, then I should. That's, right. I'm just, I'm kind of like the catch-all. I will help everyone do everything as much as I can, I, <laughs> but I don't want full control over anything. It I, is, wanna, I want input. I want to, I want to support. It, it is astonishing <laughs> how close what you do and what I do at my day job are filling in the gaps. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that, that is what I am absolutely best Janitor. at. I, I found 
completely found that that is my number one skill set. One is like the depth of nerdery, like being able to deep dive into things. Problem solving. But the rest of it is yeah. doing it quickly, being able to jump into situations fast, being yeah. able to respond to different things and, you know, help somebody grow and do that. But I don't want to manage people directly. No, I've learned that over the course of time. I'm not good at that. And I, I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older than the average restaurant employee. So now there's like a, a temporal gap, like, oh. a, like a cultural gap between me and most new restaurant employees. For sure. So, or if it's just that the brain damage has made me curt and direct in a way that is not appreciated by most people. And I, I learn this more every day, actually. I, I don't know if I told you this. I probably said this every yeah, time yeah. I was on the podcast. But yeah, it's always worth repeating it. I learned point. a lot about it. And I bounced my head off the ground when I was 16 years old. This is in the year 2000. And since then, I've realized that I can't form physical sensory memories. I don't know what my mom looks like. I don't yeah. know what you look like until I look at you. I just have data points about you stored in my head that I can recognize when I see you. Right. I couldn't tell you anything about my car other than what colors I know it is, but I can't form those colors in my head. Mm. I don't know what my bedroom looks like. I don't know what the texture of the books I own are. I just know that the books are there. So it's like there's a black and white grid dropped over everything. And because of this, because of my inability to form memories, this is where I was going with this whole thing. This, I think, is actually sort of relevant. I don't understand Christmas because Christmas requires a previous understanding of Christmas. It's a joke that you only get if you were part of the last joke. And right. everyone is indoctrinated at a very young age to like the cultural holidays that we like. It, it defines nostalgia, to be honest. It does. Like, and I, I'm incapable of nostalgia. That's yeah. the thing. My brain can't fabricate that. So I feel like an alien in a lot of ways. And I think that my lack of relatability in that way comes across as... I don't like ornery sometimes and I don't mean to, but maybe, maybe I am, I guess. I don't know. I'm I'm starting to come to terms with that and realize that I just, I just need to sharpen the knives that I'm really good at using and holster the ones that I think I accidentally got put in charge of that. I just, I don't need to be doing that. It's not, it's not what I'm good at. It's not what I'm, I'm not passionate about management of people. No, it's just not my thing. No, I'm, I'm not either. I love working with people. Yes. I love, you know, helping them get better at what they're good at or what they're not good at. I love that part totally. of it. But I the responsibility of, you know, the reviews and all the other stuff, I love the collaboration. Like th- this, like the one-on-one, the right. working with them, even the technical, like how do you do a thing? Love it. Totally. It's so much fun. I'm happy um, to show people do, how to do stuff if they ask me to do it. But yeah. if, if I'm... <laughs> supposed to show someone how to do something they don't want to do i I can't i'm just not good at it i I don't even i'm not even talking about any direct like specific experience i'm not dogging the job or the or the fact that it needs to be done because it does need to be done i'm just so horribly bad at it (laughs) i don't want to do it anymore and it's not like something that you know people don't want to juggle because they can't figure it out or they don't want to put the time in or you can't play piano because you didn't you don't sit at it for an hour a day right right this is something it'd be like me trying to play piano, but I don't have arms mm-hmm. I, I, or, or feet. So there's just zero way for me to do it. And I think I, I might actually like be missing the physical components of my body that are necessary to be good at that job. So I think for the first time in my life, I'm just, I'm able to own that and move forward in whatever way I need to. It is one of the great things about taking the time to exist for a long time yeah. is... At some point, you come to the realization like, wow, I am who I am. I am not. And we, we can polish. We can be better versions of it. But fundamentally, we are not going to change. Yep. You can paint a horse. 
Right. But it ain't a zebra. I'm, I am a better version of myself than I was five years ago than I was 10 years ago. But I am still the same. I still have the same inside. And I'm never going to be not broken in the ways I'm broken. Like we're always like, we're always the same ship and we're always pointing in a different direction. And I think if you don't look back five years ago and look at the direction your ship was pointing in and feel some sort of embarrassment or regret about it, then yeah. you're not moving forward. No. And I, so yeah, I'm always embarrassed by myself. Yeah. hundred percent. Everything I've ever done after <laughs> I did it, I learned something about why I shouldn't have done it that way. You know, I, I, I don't have like a chronically negative view of the universe or the world. No. I, it's just realistic. And I know that I'm impulsive and, uh, geez, I don't know. I can't even f- form a list of things I am right now. Anyway, impulsive is one of them. Yeah. And uh, bullheaded, probably. I think that the thing I'm doing is the, not that it's right, but it's the thing I have to do to find out why. Mm. And I don't care if someone tells me it's wrong, I'm going to do it. And then be embarrassed and be like, you were right. I yeah, should have. But yeah. I, did, I didn't know it was right because I didn't screw it up yet. I, I got to I gotta lose screw it. it up. Yeah. I got to lose this one. Right. Uh, you got to take the loss first. Perspective is important. Even if no one listens to anyone. Or no, sorry. Even if no one acts on any of the advice they get. Yeah. It's important that advice gets out there just because sometimes it does save people the time of having to explore something themselves when they could be allocating that time differently or better. Right. But it's also important just to put things out there because we're people. We need people. And that's how we learn. We learn person to person. And I think if you think about the the concept of psychology and anthropology, uh, individuals are unpredictable and don't change. And groups are predictable and do sometimes change. But every human is born a human, Mm -hmm. no matter what. And over the course of time, we can culturally indoctrinate one another into having like a new sort of hive over the course of time. But every person is still a person and they go through very similar cycles of like not listening to anyone and then not wanting to be around their parents. And like, I, maybe I didn't do a good job of explaining that, but I've been doing a lot of no, reading for sure. lately about the, the concepts of what persons are predictable about and not and what peoples do over the course of time. Um, it's, it's really interesting to, you know, I, I love aging not only because I don't have a choice and <laughs> like, it's just it's better it's to like it only, than not. <laughs> well, it's the only option. It's, yeah. it's either that or you die. Right. But I think that youth is mandatory and aging is a privilege. And that's something that I've come across. So I've never really cared about my age, but I've, as a bartender, I've watched a lot of people be super insecure about their age and anyone out there, anyone out there right now who's having a birthday ever, it yeah. never is going to have a birthday. And they, they think on their birthday, oh my God, I can't believe I'm 40 or 50 or 70 or 90. First of all, think about the alternative. It's not better no. uh, because it's nothingness, potentially anyway. Or maybe you just respawn. Maybe it's a video game and you just don't even know. Just that you random pop back location. Up again. Yeah, it's like a shooter where like you get killed and then you just pop up again and you do it all over as again. As long as it's not one of the places where people are camping outside and they're shooting yeah. you when you respawn. But you don't know because you just keep on waking up. It's your first time every time, right? Just like the Tom so, Cruise edge of tomorrow. So maybe Find there's that. Maybe that's possible. Yes. But in general, uh, what the hell was I even saying? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. I, I think that the only alternative to aging is death. And as you age, you collect information, you become a better version of yourself, or at least acknowledge that you're not. <laughs> Those are and, really important. And so be, being content in the end, what, yeah. what else can we ask for is being content. And, you know, with all the things we do, can, can we find contentment? Can we can we truly enjoy the things that we enjoy and not just partake? Yeah. Can we can we learn about them and enjoy them on a different level? 
See, see what I'm doing here? Yeah. I see what I'm doing. I'm, I'm pivoting doing to seminars. Let's do it. Yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> whatever so, are you getting at, Chris? So uh, so let's, so again, just to re- reset. So we have the Rochester Cocktail Revival starting on June 5th, going to June 11th at so many different places around Rochester. I think it's 28 now. It's, yeah, it's an astonishing amount of places. It started with eight or 10, I think eight. Yeah. 10 years later, another 28. Yeah. And all, you know, new places, obviously, every year. So adding uh, adding Ziggy's on, which is the new, uh, uh, you know, almost, what do we call it? Like a Buffalo-style sports it's bar? It's the almost. hilarious not divey dive. Yeah, from uh, from Zach Makita yeah. and uh, uh, Pat Stetzel, right? space. Uh, I've never seen a place quite like it. I need to go in for sure. You've never been? No, I need oh, to man. go in. I haven't been over yet. And I then... barely even go to bars and I've made it. Shame, Chris. Wow, wow. (laughs) And then uh, Swan's new place, Leonor's, is uh, there as well, as well as uh, many of the places that have been there throughout the years, including closing of... the place in the Southwich. Why am I forgetting the name? Cheshire? Cheshire, I've yeah. heard about this. I haven't heard enough about it to have any idea what's going on, but somebody mentioned to me the other day that Cheshire closed, that there was some sort of, you know, change occurring there. Yeah, they'll you know? be, I think they're having their like, their closing party during RCR, which is kind cool. of fantastic. Nostalgic. If you're going to do it, do it up during RCR. Of course. Um, so for us, I mean, for me, a lot of the stuff I end up doing is going to the seminars because... Um, as has been said, I am a nerd first and I love <laughs> the opportunity to listen to somebody talk about things that they are passionate about. It's got some really cool, diverse, uh, it, it, I think that bar industry education of, over the years that I've attended every single thing, every conference, every sleepaway camp, everything I could possibly do. Sometimes the, the material is diverse. Sometimes it's very brand sponsored and it's, it's like the brand is telling you something about their product that also maybe applies to other things. And there's value in that. But I think a lot of the bar industry education can be very unilateral and detail, like detailed data focused. Like what region of this is that from how much of the mash bill of rye is this? Like what, what are the, the categorical laws of, of how to consume and make these things? Yeah. And I don't fully know that any of that stuff is as important as we want to make it, although they're interesting for details people. Oh, yeah. Does the percentage of rye really affect what a bartender does with a rye? Or is it applicably, like, can you, can you, hear me out, this is probably a hot take. Can you get to the same, (laughs) yeah, do you have like a button for that? (laughs) Not yet, I need one. Yeah, let's do some recording. I've always wanted to be like a GPS voice, so like anything, anytime you need like, Oh yeah, that sort of yeah. Like oh yeah, oh okay. yeah. So yeah, hold on. Hot you, take. <laughs> yeah, hot take. Can <laughs> you get to the same product without any of the fundamental knowledge, but just operating experientially? You taste the vermouth, you taste the rye. It doesn't even matter that it's rye. You, it has the flavors you're looking for, or it doesn't. Right. I think the data comes in handy because maybe hearing the data about something, reading it in a magazine, you might begin to be able to predict whether or not you'll be able to hit those marks. So education is important, top to bottom. But I think if it's only the data and none of the applicability or none of the like, let's say we're only talking psych, we're not talking anthro. If you're only doing micro and no macro, you're missing a huge part of what's yeah. going on. And this year, I think we're getting both. We're getting a lot of micro and a lot of macro. Yeah, because like I loved getting my WSET level two spirit cert. Like that was fun. Yeah. Because I learned stuff about the technical. I learned that stuff. But you know what? Talking to the producers of things and tasting them and then just like getting excited, yeah. you can't do that just from the reading. Experiential knowledge is really important. Can't be replaced. Yeah. So uh, I saw the first one that, that kind of grabbed me on the list was a chat with three women in the spirits industry, Jack yeah. Rabbit Club, the first day, 
with one of my absolute favorite people. You're going to say Devin. Devin's the best. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Devin. She, she yeah. is a firecracker, and man, the Liba spirit stuff is it's excellent. I know, and the concept behind it's really cool, too, that there's it's so like good. a traveling distillery that makes things out of the things that grow in the place, I guess. If, yeah. If you're the to j- use, uh, you know, vague language. Yeah. Also, she worked at Cure for a couple of months or a couple of years. Honestly, I have yeah. no idea. Time, <laughs> time is a flat circle and I exist everywhere in it. Yeah. So I don't really know how long it was, but we worked together quite a bit. Yeah. And she's, she's a really wonderful person to be around. Tremendous. And the products are excellent. Highly recommend grabbing those if you haven't. Yeah. Uh, they have a new, uh, almost a Morrow like thing based on Tennessee whiskey, yeah. which I'm super excited to try, but uh, so this is a whole discussion. There's with, a party uh, at Lucky's where that item is featured, and there are oh. three cocktails. I think there's like a Manhattan riff, a Negroni riff, and a Spritz that are being featured with that. And if it, anybody who's listening to this going, what are they talking about? It's a red bitter that's foundationally built on uh, whiskey instead yeah. of vodka, which usually everything's built on vodka or a neutral spirit. So this this has like a, a, a separate use case altogether. And it's honestly, it's one of the first times that it's not just a red bitter that you can do the same thing in a different way with. It's like it kind of opens up a new bunch of items to mess around with. Yeah, I well, I love a new perspective on something, and you know, in this uh, in this seminar, getting the perspective from three women, different positions, all in different areas in distilling is like that's fascinating. And that's uh, the first day. It's on Monday yeah. at uh, Jackrabbit Club, and uh, most a lot of these seminars are free, by the way. Almost like a lot of them are. So if you happen to be available, just want to show up, these are an excellent way to get involved in RCR without having to go to, and I said, I'm going to say this, and it sounds ridiculous for the way most people like to enjoy RCR. You can enjoy RCR without having to go to all the parties and being around all the people. You can pick a few of the parties also yeah. and go to them if you want. You don't have to be out all day every day and you don't have oh. to be in massive crowds. You're right. You can go sit and digest information. Yeah. So you can do a little bit of everything. You can do all of it and you can none of it. It's, yeah. It's really, it's fully up to you. It's the, this is the food about town special is all of the like, Hey, we're, we're talking about amazing people and you know, the relationships you can build by going to these are just, yeah. it's not just connections. It's relationships that you start to build conferences. And uh, is this a conference? Well, it's a festival, I guess, but, but conferences is are some of my favorite things to go to. And I would go to a conference that like, I used to go to the nightclub and bar show in Las Vegas and I spoke at it a couple of times, but even the times I wasn't speaking, I went for the years before COVID kind of threw all that stuff off. Um, I noticed that even the digital signage uh, conference that was always next door and the pizza conference that was next door. That's huge. It doesn't really matter what the content is. No. Like, of course, it's nice to be like interested in what the conference is about, but just bumping into people who are passionate about things, you can learn to love something you never thought you would. Absolutely. Just by hearing someone talk who's passionate about it. Absolutely. Um, speaking of which, this, it kind of rolls into the next one I had put on, which is learning about hydrocolloids in cocktails, Yeah, which is one of those things like for me. Amon is. Yeah. Rocky Amon. Yeah. So like this is, or Amon Rocky. I don't know. So like for me, like that's like, oh, I know enough about this where I already kind of know where it's going. But if somebody else goes there, like I might have no idea what in the hell is going on. Dude, Amon threw me for a loop last year. I thought that I knew about maceration. I thought I knew what. He did this thing where he had a bucket of water, a bucket of vodka, and a bucket of Everclear. Were you there for this last year? Uh, I was so... I know he commented during Dave Arnold's seminar last year, and it was something about, you know, I I think it was clarifying or something where, you know, Dave was going down one direction, shockingly, really quickly, and on many different levels all at the same time. 
he is a he's all the fireworks. He's not a firework. He's like he's the whole show. I I, I listen yeah. to his podcast at two x. <laughs> <laughs> Why, dude? <laughs> it's crazy. Slow it down, man. He's so. But it, even it, just the opener, man. Is he still yelling in the openers? I haven't listened to it. Uh, not not, not as much. While. Not as much now. <laughs> he, he's getting he's old. Restrained. <laughs> restrained is not so the right word. To have him up again this year. He's one of the. Uh, hang on. I don't. I'm not trying to praise over Amy Rocky's thing. No, please. Because Eamon is one of. He's a super influential person in this industry. He's done a lot of really cool stuff. And he has a lot of cool things to say that you, even I thought I knew what I was doing. And he showed me I didn't at all. So he had a bucket of water, a bucket of vodka, and a bucket, not like a huge bucket, you know, yeah. like a normal size, like a, a quart container or something. And the third bucket was um, Everclear, or like it was 190 proof spirit. It was as close as you can get to straight ethanol. Ethanol doesn't like being ethanol. It likes right. to grab water, so it's tough to keep it 100% anyway. So it was as high as we could get. And he put green tea leaves into all of them and showed us the difference in extraction between water, half water, half alcohol, and then just straight alcohol. And I really thought that the alcohol, the, the straight alcohol was going to be the most tannic, insane thing I'd ever tasted. And it was the most flavorful and soft of them all. Because it, I might be screwing this up, so don't don't quote no, me. No, I, I I do remember exactly what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, water, that was it. Tannins are water soluble, not ethanol soluble. So you yeah. get less tannin when the alcohol percentage is higher. That's something I just would have never thought about. But that's applicable to every bar program who's trying to macerate something. In New York State, don't listen to this because I think it's technically illegal to do. But no, certainly you know, nobody is doing it. Nobody so. would ever do it. But if they did, right. now they have a better way to do it. And because again, it's not all about the data. But if you know the data, you can predict the outcome better. Yeah. And this was one of those moments, man. He really he floored me with that. I mean, less waste, <laughs> and then also you can get into something truly delicious. And amplifying an amazing product, like let's say you bought tea from you know, our local tea uh, expert, uh, Niraj Lama, over at uh, Happy Earth Tea, and you wanted to bring that into that. Well, you don't want to dilute it. You don't want to lose the essence of it. Like, you don't want to highlight the wrong pieces of it either. Absolutely. You can, you can pinpoint something you want to do with it and then manipulate it so that it does that. If you show up to these seminars. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's what I'll say is true. Yeah, so, so he's yeah. talking on uh, Tuesday at... Uh, uh, noon at Jackrabbit yeah. Club. And, you know, it's the kind of thing, but that's something I'm willing to take the time to leave my day job and yes. go listen to. Like, I think we're going to try to, don't quote me on this, I think we're going to try to have food and coffee there too because awesome. I know that that middle of the day stuff for day job people, it's tough because you're giving up your lunch break. And also like every bartender who was, they go to sleep at four in the morning. Right. Getting up is, is kind of like early to get up at 10.30 or 11 and get out the door. So we're, we're trying to ease that burden. Yeah, then that that one's super exciting to me. Um, did you mention that Dave was coming back, or was that? Yeah, dude, Dave. So we just confirmed him the other day. He was oh. supposed to potentially have, and it, it's like no, it's not ninety nine percent anymore. It's a hundred percent. He's booked his train I'm, and he's doing it. I'm so excited. Um, last year we got him up here by he made the excuse of taking his kid to Niagara Falls. Yeah, because he lives in the East Village. I think in the East Village. He lives in Manhattan somewhere. Or maybe Brooklyn at this point. I, I really don't remember. But he, his child had never seen, you know, one of the one of the natural wonders of the world, which is like right up here. So he used it as an excuse to take his kid up there. So he brought his, uh, you know, the half of his family, and they sat down for a pairing dinner at Cure, and we got to hang out a little bit. And I worked for the guy in 2014. Now I think wow, 13, 14, somewhere around there, maybe even the beginning of 15. And it was like six or eight months that I worked there. Yeah, and uh, it felt like. 
five years of experience packed into those six months. It, it really, it feels surreal. When I look at the dates, I'm like, there's no way that was six months. That was, it was easily 10 years of my life. Well, you know, the, it completely the density, changed everything about me. Well, the density, the density of information, like every, everything is so much going on. It was but, college. Yeah. But all in the, all in the, um, in, in the service of doing this, the best you can do it for the guest problem solving. It's phenomenal stuff. And it was the, the seminar last year, like for me is, was so calming and enjoyable, but because there's a complete, there's a complete lack of veneer. There's no, there is no yeah. veneer on what he does, who he is and everything about the, the time that he spent and it was an hour that was an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, and- look forward to that again, I'm sure. I don't, I think actually both of these are booked for 90 minutes this time. So That's- Eamon has from 12 to 1.30 and Dave has from 1.30 to 3 or 2.30 or whatever. But there's not going to be any hard limits. If there are people there still, yeah. I don't think Jackrabbit has an event that night, so they should be okay. Uh, but, but again, I, don't quote me on any of this. I'm just yeah. kind of spitballing. But usually these things are malleable because they have to be and should be. Because if we've gotten these people up here from wherever they've come from, both of them in New York this time, uh, why would we cut them off in the middle of something at 59 and a half minutes and say yeah. we need a half an hour break? No way. Not in a right. million years. In, in the middle of Dave live clarifying stuff on That's stage. one of the things <laughs> about both of these guys. Like Eamon could be a jerk and Dave could be a jerk and they right. both decide not to. They both decide to be really open-minded, thoughtful, altruistic, uh, forward-facing people. And, and Dave it like was partners with David Chang at Booker and Dax and opened in existing conditions and pioneered a lot of these processes. And so has Eamon. And they're both humble, thoughtful, creative, wonderful people. Yeah. It's just, it's really, it's difficult to find people like that who don't have an ego about what they're doing. And it's amazing and sometimes. Like that. It's amazing sometimes when you hear things, you're like, oh, right. Like you actually popularized this technique like completely. Invented the home centrifuge. Well, that. I mean, that, come on. Yeah. Well, or you have the carbonation the and clarification and stuff like but that. But the both clarification stuff, that, yeah. like. Like you're like, oh, wait a second. Like, like milk washing was like, oh, yeah. this was like, th- you did this. Like, I, I didn't even realize that. Like, I knew it was very popular, but like, he was the reason it became popular. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, I completely. It's the book. Yeah. I man. completely fell over that. I think, I don't know where the, you know, the, you never know who made the Manhattan first, oh, right? Course. And then everybody's making the Manhattan all of a sudden. And I think everyone builds on knowledge that everyone else has founded. So like. I'm not taking credit away from either of them. I'm saying that they exist because of under what other wonderful people like them. And everyone who has used Dave's book or Eamon's spirits or Eamon's seminars or whatever to do something else that's then revolutionary, it's all built on the backs of other people. Absolutely. That's what's so cool about it. They don't they know that they have been built on, but they also know that they're building on other people. Yeah, but that's. I think that's a rare perspective. Everyone wants to think that they're the foundational cornerstone of everything, and that they made the world occur. You know, yeah. It's like it's humans. We just want to do that. We want to like be important. I guess. And I um, think it's. I think it's giving credit where credits due. Yeah. And when you're inspired by something, tell people that you're inspired by it. Totally. Don't don't become the inventor of a thing. Yeah. Well, you learned from someone else. You learned. You got inspiration from something. And like, if you're using, if you're doing different food styles, like, yeah, you can be inspired and bring that to the people, you know, call out the inspiration, say where it came from, who actually developed the thing. People are people because of people. Makes a huge difference. We are not much without each other. 
So I think what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to jump right back into Seminar City at Rochester Cocktail Revival X coming June 5th through June 11th. If you want to learn more about Rochester and Buffalo's wide range of diverse cuisines and don't want to do the work, Nominate Meals might be for you. The fun part is you have no idea what you're going to get until you pick your meal up at one of our fantastic events. All you have to do is go to nominatemeals.com and order a meal for two for $40 that features dishes from one small, typically minority-owned restaurant. We run events at Three Heads Brewing, Fatty Beer Company in the neighborhood of Play, and also Nowhere Lounge in Buffalo. We offer drink pairings for sale that pair with each dish for that night, which really adds to the experience. Go to nominatemeals.com to order your meal for an upcoming event and join the nomination. And we're back with more discussion about the Rochester Cocktail Revival RCR 10 starting June 5th going to June 11th. The sun has exploded. Everyone's died. Wait wait a second. That, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> that's also a cool song by a guy. There's a whole song about that. It, it, it's great. Okay. So we'll, we'll talk about that another time. Um, but we're going to talk about RCR. We just finished off talking about uh, seminars with Amon Rocky and Dave Arnold. And now we're kind of rolling into um, a few other things. So I will touch on some of the big events. So we're focusing on this because this is what I usually end up caring about, but we still have some of the you know, hallmark events of RCR. We've got uh, the garden party at the George Eastman Museum on uh, June 6th. That's Tuesday. And this is, if you like to get fancy, you like to be in the beautiful environments, go hit that up. It yep. is a special space and a special experience. Yep. Um, you know, we still have uh, some of the other uh, events. Oh, actually, they're adding a uh, Cocktails on the Promenade and a City Magazine launch. I love this idea from the new editor, Leah Stacy. Indeed. Started bringing, you know, bringing people together to celebrate uh, the launch of each issue of City Magazine. There's no reason we shouldn't be bringing people together to talk about some of the stuff that's going on Rochester that is fun, the yeah. arts, entertainment, other stuff like that. Being in person at these things is really important. That's another thing. Like, you can go to the same bar every day because it's your home and there's nothing wrong with that because humans need third spaces. You have to do something between work and home yeah. so that you don't just take all of your problems from one place and dump them on another that you would like to segregate them from potentially. But it's easy to get caught in a rut and never go to new bars. And this gives you an excuse to not only go to new bars, but go to new spaces, meet new people who go to other bars and get their perspectives on life. Even if it's just about cocktails. Yeah. And it's about uh, sharing. I love that they're starting that because city is an important institution for Rochester and bringing people together to become more of a part of that and engage with it is a really positive thing to do. Um, Just going to finish off talking about two of the others that I often and almost basically every year go to the spirit tasting spectacular at the metropolitan building. If you want to learn about spirits, please go to the spirit tasting spectacular. That's on Saturday. Um, you get to taste so many different things. Bring an extra cup, spit, you know, you know, drink, drink sensibly because there's so many things to sample. Yeah, it's easy to get carried away. Spitting is not faux pas. Spitting is actually no. like kind of a good thing for you, especially if you have anything to do for the rest of the day. Yeah. Don't go there and have 16 ounces of free whiskey by accident and yeah. then screw your day up. Or you know, do, but or, don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, it is truly one of the best things if you want to learn and talk to different producers. Everybody's there. And they're excited to sample with you, and it's a great time. Uh, and then, obviously, the finale, the Barroom Battle Royale at Radio Social. Yep. This is sponsored by Campari America. They have some tremendous 
um, samples available on there. The, the stuff that they bring is always good. And this is, if you do like the big party, this is the one to go to. This is everybody people. Yeah. And everybody's getting together and having a blast watching people make drinks. The environment's positive. Everybody's enjoying it. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it, I don't know if you mentioned this already, but it's where the speed competition occurs. So bartenders are up on a stage with, with camera equipment. It's a pretty pro like food network style camera. Really is. They have, and you get to watch bartenders make drinks as fast as they can. Everybody has to do the same task. And then the winner is like pitted up against the other winner. And then there's a final champion of, you know, the speed round or whatever. I don't even know what's called bar ninja, but a, yeah, something whatever. Like you that, win, yeah. you win a thing, you win, you get to be good at something, but more importantly than winning, everybody gets to make a dumb dumb out of themselves by dropping bottles and wearing stupid clothes and having fun pump up songs. And it's, it's just another way for people to come together and either get over a stage fright or learn something about themselves in a high pressure situation that is kind of one of a, like, when are you going to be able to do that on camera in front of so many people ever again? It's, it's really unique to be able to do that. I mean, and when, when we're talking about, you know, skill building and uh, talking about public speaking, I mean, from, from the time when I started doing this to the, you know, to the conversations that I can, I can have and participate in and move around and do that stuff. And I'm sure you found the same thing. You're working behind the bar for so long. Yeah. You can, you can manage conversations differently because you do it all the time. Quite. And it, it's it's so fascinating when you get that opportunity to try something different and you might find a part of yourself you don't know until you do it. Yeah. It might be for you. Maybe doing that, you're terrified of it, but when you get up there, like something clicks in your head. It, yeah. it, it's a blast and it's really fun to do. It puts you in a state that you otherwise can't be in. Yeah. It, it really does. And I, I think I did it the first bunch of years that I was in Rochester and then eventually I just kind of, you got to make room for other people to do it. I'm also not a very competitive person, so I don't, I don't really enjoy winning at all. So if I did win, it would kind of be a bummer because someone else should have because they'd like it more. Someone else would enjoy it. And I've never won. I've never yeah. won the speed competition, but maybe I never won because I don't need to. I don't like it. For some reason, I maybe that's part of the brain damage thing, but I don't measure myself against other people. I measure myself against myself only. Yeah. And I, it's not even like I, I hope other people get to feel that way because I think it's no, actually I don't <laughs> because you can never win. That's now that I'm thinking about it, it's a really negative thing because I can never beat myself and I'll never achieve the goals that I set out for because I'm always setting further goals for myself. Yeah. So maybe this is an awful way to be, and I hope no one else ever has to experience it. Never mind. This is the Donnie Clutterbuck experience. <laughs> Um, count on that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to bring up one other event before we go into, there's kind of an interesting series of events I want to talk through, but the one that kind of grabbed me that I'm, I'm really excited to go to if I can make it is, uh, there's a documentary, uh, screening the sons of Mezcal, uh, screening at the little theater. Yeah. So there's a, uh, a Rochester editor for part of this and they're documenting, uh, agave production and they're really going to the places, talking to the people, talking to the new generation, the old generation. Um, I, I, I'm super excited. I really hope I'm going to get to watch this because there's something special about, you know, you know the Mezcalero and, you know, the uh, tying to the land and the classic techniques and, yeah. you know, the legacy of that. It, that makes me super excited. And they're also doing uh, samples from the producers that are in the documentary at the Little Theater. This is... A true, uh, a truly special experience that if you can make it, 
I, I think it's really worth it. This yeah. this one should be. This is one of those if you really want to learn about something, this is a truly excellent experience. Mezcal's the wine of the spirit world. Yeah, it's so dependent on what the source and location of the agave was. You know, like what what the what the actual plant is. Much in the same way that grapes grow and where they grow is really important and how they're made after that or, you know, the processes that they undergo after that. I don't know that there's a direct equivalent. I mean, there are things that are appellated, things that need to be treated a certain way to become something. Sure. But nothing's quite so diverse as mezcal and so uh, specific to producer and plot of land. Yeah. Well, and then it, it takes so long to grow and the maturation is tied to the land. You know, like in, in wine, you're growing grapes every year, even though the vines are changing over time. Yeah. A lot of these plants are, you know, living for years. Double out, yes, 20, 20 something years. And the fact that we're harvesting that for a beverage is, it's a heady thing when you take a chance to think about it. It is so, the engagement of what you're drinking to something that lived for so long is, it's a, it's a, uh, it's an awe-inspiring thing. And I'm hoping that's, you know, really part of that to go and really learn about the process and everything yeah. else um, through stories. And I think that's, way a lot of people like to engage with that. And I'm, I'm yeah. super excited to get to watch. I hope I get to watch it in person. Um, What's stopping you? I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if I have an event that Something night. Something maybe? Yeah. Well, it, it's certainly possible I have a nominate event that night. One of Because oh, I, yeah. I have one every week, and it just depends on which night that one is. It, you can watch the documentary anytime, but it's it's going to be really exciting to do it there with those samples, about with, like with those people's things. Yeah. That's, that's a kind of unique... Uh, I think it is pretty special. Um, so what I did want to go into, there's a whole series of events it looks like that kind of, and then we'll, we'll, we'll finish off with kind of the signature seminar that happens every year. Sure. Um, but I'd like to speak a little bit about the other seminar participants, the other people on the schedule. Oh, please. Not, we don't have to go long about it and we can do it when it's relevant, yeah, but yeah. there are a couple of people and I don't need to say what they're talking about. No, go there ahead, are a please. few people talking. I know I'm going to pull it up while we're doing the next thing Yeah. because I don't have a list in front of me at the moment. Yeah. So the, the ones I wanted to talk about, there's a, a series of ones that really appear to be like a retrospective and focused on business and, you know, uh, so learning, you know, learning lessons from people that have been in the industry, talking about how to build an event, building a menu that works for your bar. These, those kind of events kind of excite me because they're really functional events, but it's not just function because all of those are, all of those are a fundamental idea of how, how do you do hospitality? How do you, you know, take lessons from somebody who's been in the industry for 25 years. It's passing on large bits of experiential memory driven protocol items. Yeah. Like taking tips from Colleen, for example, about how to build a successful menu. There are a lot of really counterintuitive things about like what, what verbiage is necessary or productive for what crowd, who your target is, what you want people to order and what you want to offer for other people. Like the, the concept of pushing something top left of the menu, offering yeah. something bottom right of the menu. Because our eyeballs read everything we look at, we start top left. Because of the way that we're taught to read, that's the way we read books, right? So all marketing here is read top left to bottom right. Yeah. And cocktail menus should be no different. If you want someone to order, if you want everyone to order the vodka, berries, and St. Germain, it should be at the top left. If you want no one to order it, and for people to have to struggle to find it, put it at the bottom right. Neither is correct, yeah. but both are something that you can utilize in order to make a bar menu make a little bit more sense, or you can sort of like make the guest experience more what they want it to be rather than 
you imposing your will, or maybe you can decide to impose your will. Oh yeah, there is again. There is no objective, moral, correct, morally There's power. correct thing. There, it is power in the knowledge of how things right. work. And like to me, like that one when I saw that, like I'm 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 dabbling in I'm dabbling in consulting now. Like I'm, you know, I'm helping with somebody uh, launch a brewery, mostly from a project management, like mm-hmm. my professional expertise that I'm made a career on is doing stuff like that. And, you know, how to do communication, how to, you know, how to uh, enforce deadlines and do all that stuff. But I also helped concept the menu idea. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I try to consider myself an analytical, I'm an analytical taster. I love the idea of a menu and I love, you know, a through line and everything else. But like, I wouldn't have thought about, Hey, the thing you put in the top corner matters. And hell, I mean, I've yeah. I found that with uh, uh, with my wife Carrie when she goes to con- uh, sells at conventions, man, when she started going more vertical with her displays, yeah, she sold more when she started putting the shirts on little mannequins instead of just on just on, on squares. The they side. sell yeah. more. You of put course. it on there, it sells more. And you know what? There's a reason why people every- interact with things in the way that they're going to, regardless of what how you lay it out. Yeah. and if you can make it draw their attention in a specific, like you put the vodka and berries at the top, you put the Armagnac and mushrooms at the bottom because Chris, you know to start at the bottom. Oh yeah. You just do when you look at a menu, right? Of course. And everybody who doesn't know that, they start at the top because that's how they read. So you're decoding it already when you look at the bottom of the menu first because you're assuming there's gold down there. Well, yeah. Things that cost the bar too much and they don't really want to sell, but they want to make sure it's there when you come in. It's a force I have. It's already happening. Yeah, so Colleen's going to talk a whole bunch about that. That's super exciting. And she is, she's not only is she on the um, USBG Board of Directors, the national board, um, but she is also, she opened a couple of restaurants and I'm not going to screw up the names, so I'm just not going to say them, but she helped open a couple of concepts in uh, North Carolina, I think, man, I'm really yeah, bad so what, at no, that, that's, it yeah, is I'm, Carolina, I'm reading it right? right now. Yep. Cool. So it's North Carolina. Supper or something or other, right? With the, uh, Supperland and Supperland. Uh, Haberdish. I went to these places. We had a USPG board meeting there and I went to these places and they're fabulous and the glassware is fabulous and the garnish is incredible and the attention to detail is just great. And she was nominated, or no, she she earned, I think it was Esquire's like best cocktail guru of the year, 2022. Yeah, right. There you go. So she is a person who has a very laser sharp skill set in a lot of specific ways. And I can't wait to hear what she has to say about this stuff. Like, I know I'm going to learn stuff, even though I've hung out with Colleen at board retreats for the last four years, yeah. I think, anyway. Yeah, it's been four years. Um, I still know that I'm going to learn something going to this. And if I'm going to learn something going to this and I already know who she is, everyone else must stand something to benefit from it. So that's, she also has family here. So it's easy to get her yeah, here. That's super exciting. Yeah. And then I see like the USBG executive directors Dude, coming Aaron, to do yeah. leadership lessons from a 25 year career. Like it's that, that title doesn't even do justice. What he's going not. to talk about or what he's capable of talking about. This is one of the most inspiring people I've ever met. It, when I was first trying to found the, USBG chapter in Rochester, uh, me and the co-founder went to, what was it, the Providence, Rhode Island National Leadership Conference, and it was our first, we weren't even an official chapter yet, but we got invited because we were forming one, and we attended, and I saw Aaron Gregory Smith speak, because he was the executive director back then, I think he had just taken over the role, uh, if I'm not mistaken, like a few years prior maybe, Um, and it was just so motivating to see someone who was so passionate, so knowledgeable, so warm welcoming, open-minded, but, but again, laser sharp in everything that he knows and thinks. 
And I can't wait to hear what he has to say about this stuff. I was on the phone with him for like two hours when we first started talking about this. And we went down the rabbit hole, man. We can, he can talk about all kinds of things. Here's, here's a tidbit. I don't even know if he's going to go into this necessarily. But the USBG is one of the only organizations that operates nationwide, not state by state, mm -hmm. right? So it's like it's an organization that has to deal with liquor laws in 50 states. Can you imagine the lift. Oh, it's it's crazy, right? I mean, and and the, the, the laws are so archaic in so many because places in the country. Yeah. It's a parent organization that has chapters in all fifty states, but so all of those chapters are tied together, but in conflict oh, in legislation. Crazy. Yeah, it's, it's bananas. Oh yeah. So the things he's had to go through um, are really unique, and uh, I can't wait to see what part of that he brings to the seminar. Thing, so yeah, and that's uh, so his uh, his seminar is on uh, the appears to be Wednesday at one thirty at Jackrabbit yeah, Club. It looks like a lot of the seminars are there, which is a great space for it. Yeah, it's lots of we room. Figure, we can do seminars all over the place, but it requires packing up all of the AV stuff yeah. and moving it to a new place every time. And that's first of all, it's laborious. Second of all, if there's two seminars in a row, everyone has to move, and this is not really a walking city. In the no. way that we wish it were. Yeah, you know? we, we think we might be, so like, but we're not there. Get people in a room, and if it's a bang-bang, there's two in a row, they don't have to move, and we don't have to move AV equipment. And yeah. Every time you unplug something and plug it back in, you don't know if it's going to work again. Yeah. So the odds that something goes wrong when you move a lot are like super high. And the last one that we've not spoken about yet is the Deaf Hospitality Seminar. And we had a preliminary service industry-only seminar of this yeah. uh, by the same people uh, maybe like two or three weeks ago, I think. And there are just so many things you don't think about in a city that is one of the highest per capita deaf population uh, cities. You don't think about how lighting is their sound. Right. Like if you have dim lighting in a restaurant, deaf people can't sign as right. well. Or they have to try really hard to do it. If there's a bouquet of flowers in the middle of the table, they can't see each other's hands. That's like, a who would have ever, I would have never thought of that stuff. And I've been serving deaf guests like, regulars for years and I just never really thought about turning the lights up a little bit or moving things out of the way like menus that stand block mm. signing right yeah for sure so I don't I just sat there for an hour and I, I learned so many individual things about the ways that we have not always served the best we could and the ways that we accidentally might have been or on purpose might have been and got to clarify a lot of the questions I had so like even for guests of restaurants I think this is a really important thing to know uh, because deaf people are all over the city, and why not try to be accommodating? Well, I, you know? I think that's I think that's the message for a lot of that stuff is why why, why not be respectful? Why why not respect their their lived existence Quite. and give them the best you have? You, you don't have to learn ASL to understand how to right. how to engage with somebody. Like you don't need to do that. It's great if you do, but you don't have to. You can respect who they are and right. like, yeah, understand the limitations, but also like you can bring somebody true joy by knowing to do those oh my God. little things. The small things are super helpful. And I, something that I thought it, it just had never occurred to me that Joshua brought up at the last one was that deaf people know that they are a burden. And I hearing him say that, yeah, I was like, it, it really, it kind of floored me. Because I've never been in a situation where I know, I mean, maybe I have, and I'm just not aware of what those situations are for me, yeah. but I've never been separate from most people and like obviously separate. I, clearly, I think I'm alone on this planet. Like I've, I have all these goofy ideas and strange perspectives that I, it makes me feel like an alien a lot of the time. So I didn't 
it just never occurred to me to be able to feel from the perspective of a deaf person walking into a restaurant, knowing full well, they know that the server has to do different stuff for them yeah. and that that can be uncomfortable. Sure. Even just hearing that was worth sitting there for an hour, even if it was just about that one thing. Because I think if you don't know the details about how to interact with people whose experience you're really not sure of, just knowing that you're not sure of their experience is the first big step. It, it's the one that matters almost more than anything right. else is just being open, being open to knowing that you don't know. Yeah. And this is, is not, um, I don't, sorry. I didn't no, no, please. This is not a fad. It's not something no. we're going to be like, check out the dip. We are helpful hospitalitarians. We know how to do stuff for people. This should be yearly or monthly or weekly or as much as it can be. Because it is a huge, but also Joshua brought up that deaf people are a huge economic force in this city. Absolutely. If you have a restaurant that is deaf friendly, it's going to be packed with deaf people all the time. Well, I, I remember when, <laughs> I forget what, what it was on. I think it was Connections and uh, I was on, we were talking about uh, uh, doing vegan food. Yeah. And uh, BVE was on, Brian Van Etten was on, and uh, shockingly outspoken Brian. <laughs> yeah, weird. Um, he was talking about how like, because they have consistently available and posted and accessible vegan options in their places, the percentages of how much they sell of it, like he knew it would be a lot and it floored him because they've actively engaged with the community. Yeah. And uh, what was the other one? Uh, Luis Perez over at Peels on Wheels. He started offering it and it posted on a Facebook group and now he's a consistent and part the of the menu. showed up. Yeah. yeah and they course. buy hard. Because they feel unsafe everywhere else. When you've been seen, right? You've been seen and I think that's, you know, regardless of, you know, anything. It doesn't matter. Like being seen for who you are, not for who you're not. Right. And not for any limitations or anything else, but just being, you're a person. I see who you are. Feeling like you have to go somewhere and be the weirdo or feeling like you have to not go somewhere because you're going to be the weirdo. Yeah. I guess being vegan and being deaf are you know, similar in that regard, except one's a choice and one's not kind oh, of like, yeah, in, no, no, no. I just use it because be it, vegan. it is my personal thing. Hey, I wasn't saying you said that. I said that. And as soon as I said it, I was like, those are not analogous <laughs> at all, but their economic impact can be. And that's, yeah. that's the point I'm trying to no, make absolutely. is that there are groups that are not catered to that can be catered to. How can we help that? Yeah. And if we, if we go back, you know, sometimes going back to bottom line is part of, you know, you want to motivate people to do something sometimes to do the right thing. Yeah. You know, it is. It does. It does Money. help knowing that it will. It positive will reinforcement. Yeah. No doubt, positive reinforcement is the only one that works. What is that? Pavlov who figured that out when you yeah. can like train a dog to salivate because you show up food or whatever. Like it, you can get thing people excited about a reward. Yeah, all you can get is a deterrent from a punishment. Yeah, that's not appropriate. No, I don't think so either. Um, so I do have two more I want to get to. Yeah, sorry, man. Uh, we're gonna no, we're gonna finish out. So we we've got um. The other one that was part of the series that I'd kind of ID'd was building an event. So this is so this is one I'm I'm very personally interested in. This is uh, this is building an event that's on six eight. So that would be Thursday uh, at Jack Jack Rabbit Club at noon. Dude, so yeah. somebody who uh, was it uh, Lindsay Johnson? I I and I don't know her. It all wouldn't as a non bartender because this is a really bartender specific person. Yeah. It doesn't just apply to bartenders, but if you've ever heard of Camp Runamuck or Lush Life Productions or the Bar Institute, Portland Cocktail Week, stuff like that, she runs all of it. And if there's anyone who knows how to run an event and how to pull something off, how to fund things, how to gather people, how to get people motivated, how to make them want something. Lindsay Johnson is one of those people. I went to Camp Runamuck in 2017. I was one of the 
uh, what do we call it? Deans of the science and tech curriculum at Portland cocktail week for a few years. And I think I partook or spoke at like the bar Institute, New York, the bar Institute, uh, Boston and in Rochester or whatever. And every time I attend something that Lindsay has put on, it feels like Lindsay put it on. And I mean that in a really good way. It feels yeah. like all the bases are covered. None of the, machinery is exposed but you know it's there because she's honest that there's machinery yeah so like you feel like you're a part of an experience that is beneficial to everybody but you don't feel like you're working on a cruise ship where like you you see behind the scenes at disney world you're a part you don't you don't have to do that right you're aware that it is there but you're not exposed to it in that it doesn't sully the experience it's one of the most honest series of things i've ever done in that it's really for strengthening a community and allowing, you know, providing resources for a population of people who is typically forgotten, which is the service industry. Right. So like, you know, another humanitarian in some regard, I'm sure everybody has something to say about the way something's pulled off. So like, you can't say that anybody is always something to someone, but to me, the people who run Lush Life and the people who run the USBG are two of which of which I guess I am one of them kind of yeah um, are two of the most altruistic groups because they spend a majority of their time wondering how to make the bar industry better. And that's, you know, if this, if these people can answer those questions or help us answer those questions, then they're very much worth talking to. Yeah. And for me, when I, when I saw that, when I saw that I'm like, and I'm not going to run a, you know, run a spirits event or, or this kind of thing, but I, I run an event every week. And it applies. The like, concepts per, uh, will apply. The the lessons, like to me, that one is almost like I have to be there because I think about it a lot. Yeah. And hearing other people's perspectives, sometimes, even if it's not the direct thing that applies, the mentality of it might change the way that you're thinking about something that will apply to you, your life, your the things you're passionate about, and like that that got me like really excited to. Maybe maybe you find something that grabs you and it's going to turn something in your brain the right way where you yep. become a better, you get that little better version of you for that specific thing. And that, that got me very excited when yeah. I saw that. Yeah, man, I'm really, I'm excited about this. Every year I get excited about the lineup, but every year I get more excited about it. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so we're going to finish off with, you know, what is now a staple of the uh, RCR weekend, which is a, you know, big name uh, writer in the industry coming in, uh, doing a seminar or a talk at Good Luck. Sir. And I think this is, uh, was it Robert Simonson again? Indeed. Coming in. Yep. Um, Not a keynote, but you know what I mean? Like something like that. It's kind of, yeah, it's, it is the, it's, I suppose the signature seminar of the RCR every week is, you know, a big guest coming in doing the big lecture on a big topic yep. or a historical topic. And this year it's the modern classics, which, which it should be, which is yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Cause last year was, uh, basically a series on, uh, what was it? Uh, tequila cocktail. So it was the, you know, uh, series on that and all sorts of things like that yep. it was very interesting. Something cool about the way that, Getting Robert Simonson to talk here is getting a person who has been financially motivated to experience everything he can and formulate opinions from more data collected than almost anyone else has ever collected about anything. You know, the dude has seen and read every drink in every bar and has a pretty wide array of data to pull from when he makes assumptions or, or statements about things. 
And I think that that's, if, if nothing else, even if you don't agree with it, it's yeah. valuable to hear because it's coming from a place that you may never get to experience as just a normal person who's not like specifically a food and beverage focused, specifically beverage focused writer in person. Yeah. And it's I, his job. Yeah. And I yeah. love that point too. I, I think it actually is a really important point is despite all the time, the experiences, the research, the history you actively might disagree with the stuff that he's saying. Absolutely. In and fact, his you opinions. might disagree a whole bunch with it because you don't have the same data set that he has. Yeah. So I've noticed a lot of the time, let's go back to the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah, yeah. You, um, or that's what it's called, the effect, yeah. right? When you walk into the house and you're like, I know all the crevices of the house and Robert Simonson looks at you and goes, but the floorboards are dirty. And you're like, no, they're not. I've seen all of them. You don't know because you haven't. And right. he has seen more of them than you. So like he might actually have an opinion that you vehemently disagree with. And I urge you to explore why you disagree with the things that he says if you do. Not that I'm predicting you're going to or science. I don't know. You know? No, I mean I've but everybody's was, palate is different and everybody has different yeah. sets of experiences. And uh I think that taking into consideration that he's saying what he's saying is really important because you can ask yourself why he has come to this conclusion after thinking about it probably more than you've ever thought about most things. Yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, there's there's always, and it's always, there's context to the things, right? Like, you may have traveled, traveled whole areas and done this, but you're also, you know, he has a perspective from a lived experience. Yeah. Having been in, you know, one of the largest cities and most, you know, central cities of the world for so long, you have a different perspective on things for having lived there and then gone to different places. You can only see them through the lens that you're coming from. And it's hard to turn that off. And it's, it is fascinating. And like I said, I, I go to this one every year. It is so, it's one of those things that is 100% worth your time yeah. because like Donnie said, somebody has done the work regardless of anything else. And people that are that passionate to do that much work. Yeah. It's a lot of drinking. Yeah. That's a lot of drinking to do. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot. And you know, <laughs> it can be fun, obviously, but yeah. it's a lot of work. It is. And he lives in a city that is, you know, known for being one of the best at it. And I know I've been to a few bars in New York. I have not been to all the bars in New York. No. Dude's pretty close to probably having hit most of them, you know, or at least a much larger uh, chunk of them than many. Yeah. Uh, so I'm always interested to hear what his take is on things like that because it's probably a conclusion I would have never been able to come to. Absolutely. So that, that one is on Saturday. That one's at good luck, uh, 11 a.m. You do have to uh, uh, get a ticket for that one. Yep. Almost all the other seminars that we mentioned are free for you to attend. Um, and if you can make the time, I definitely recommend doing that. Anything I missed? I mean, I, we missed we miss everything. Well, we're, you've missed attending it. That's yeah. all you've missed because it hasn't happened yet. But no, I mean, there's a million things that are going to go on. There, there. Everybody has a pairing dinner and a party and a brand launch or you know whatever. There, there's tons of stuff happening. Just go to RochesterCocktailRevival.com. It's really easy to sort through events uh, based on a lot of different criteria and just pick something that you like and go to it. And yeah. go meet some people and go have some drinks and enjoy the social lubricant that allows new situations and crowded bars to be less uncomfortable and, you know, bring people together Yeah, in that sociopolitical landscape that we're very quickly losing. We're losing a lot of third spaces uh, and just not partaking in stuff like this anymore. I know I've done it myself. In fact, I think the average, I'm sorry, Chris, I know you have to wrap this up. <laughs> 
I the love, average male. I love that we're. I love that we're at. We're at. We're at one hour and uh, coming up on probably one oh seven. And more. now we're going into I'm done. one more. One more, and I'm done. It's it's a really quick one. The average male in the seventies. I'm going to butcher these numbers, but the average male in the seventies had like five to seven friends. The average female had seven to nine, something like that. Yeah. And now the average male has zero to three or zero to two friends. The average right. female has like two to four or something like that. We have less friends. We have less cohorts. We don't go outside as much. We're scared of everything. We need to stop this. And you don't have to go drink to do it. No. Drinking might make it easier, but I encourage everyone to go out. When you check out at the grocery store, go through the person's line. Yeah. Don't check out yourself. And I don't even listen to my own advice on this, but like, don't, don't, allow yourself to be disconnected from humanity because humanity is the only point of being a human. It's really important. Every opportunity you have. So I'll, I'll say this. So I, I try to take this into account when I go to places. So like I'm out and about a lot. I'm running, you know, an event every week. I'm engaging with a whole bunch of people, but you know what? I really, really enjoy regardless of if I never see the person again and I have a chance to in actively engage with somebody and have a real conversation not just a, oh, hey, how you doing? How's it going? If you can take Boring. a minute and ask one question and actually be interested in the answer that they have to say and have a five-minute conversation with somebody you'll never meet again, mm -hmm. the value of that and really caring about what's going on around you is one of those things that enriches your day. You might not know what you're going to find um, until you take the time to try. Yeah. Try, try something. Um so that, that was now our last aside. So speaking of trying something, go to Rochester Cocktail Revival. Um, go listen to some of these seminars. I'm, like I said, I'm truly excited about a lot of these. These are great opportunities to try and better yourself. With, and it might not be direct, but when you find that indirect thing, you'll never forget it because it locked something in your head. Um, truly special stuff. So um, otherwise, uh, Donnie, you're not behind the bar, so they can't find you. Nope. Um, if they want to find you and learn about other things you're doing, do you have places for them to find you? No, I have a Twitter account, but I don't use it for anything bar industry relevant. And I'm not even sure anybody would be able to find it. Cool. Um, I kind of bask in not being able to be found at this I point that. because I think I've been too findable for a long time. Um, you can email me if you have a question. My email address is it's me at donnieclutterbuck.com. Of course it is. It's me at donnieclutterbuck.com. Um, I don't know why you'd want to email me, but if you want to, <laughs> you're more than welcome to. I'd give out my phone number too, but again, nobody's going to write it down, so no. I'm going to save my breath. So uh, <laughs> otherwise, you can find me at Stromy, Twitter, Instagram, Food About Town podcast, all over the place. Uh, would appreciate if you join us for one of the Nominate Meals coming up, nominatemeals.com. Order your meal for two people for $40. You get to learn all about Rochester and Buffalo's wide range of diverse cuisines. All you have to do is order. We do all the work for you. Uh, it's a really exciting time. We keep on growing. It's a it's a great time to be highlighting what's awesome in Rochester, bringing some positivity to my day and everybody else's. So hope you enjoyed this conversation. Go enjoy RCR, and we'll be back next time on the Food About Town podcast. This has been a presentation of the Lunchable Podcast Network.